Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm so excited that you're back again this week, and I want to thank you, as always, for sharing and subscribing and supporting this podcast as you do. And today, we have a really nice guest. I'm so excited. Um, You know, being part of the Publish Your Purpose group has just opened up so many windows to me and so many doors and so many friendships. So I have in the Gay With God house today, Betsy Cerula. I knew I was going to do that. You got it. (laughs) In the Gay With God house, we have Betsy Cerullo, is the CEO and founder of AdNet AccountNet Incorporated, advocates for workplace excellence and equity. AdNet is based in Baltimore City and is a management consulting firm focused on professional staffing, human capital management, and executive search services. Betsy is a founding member and board president of the Maryland LGBTQ Foundation and co-founder and past president of the Maryland LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce. Betsy serves as the chamber's public policy chair. Betsy is a passionate activist pushing for equal rights for women in all diverse groups. Betsy is published author of Shake It Off Leadership and a children's book entitled Miss Crabapple and Her Magical Violin. Betsy is the host of the podcast Room at the Table. Betsy holds a bachelor's degree in business from Catholic University and a master's degree in integrative health science from Capital University of Integrative Medicine. Betsy is a certified executive coach, and she is in the Gay With God house today. Betsy, welcome. Good morning. Good morning, Midge. I'm so excited to be here. Really powerful conversation to have. Oh, thank you so much. And as always, I just, I will turn the mic over to you and tell us your story. Well, you know, when you, when I look at your topic, gay with God, Mm -hmm. uh, I come from a very traditional Roman Catholic Italian family brought up in New Jersey. Middle brother was a priest. Mm -hmm. Uh, only reason why I say was, is he passed away Mm -hmm. in 2011. Uh, but he was, he was the real deal Catholic priest. The ones that everyone would wish to know that was Mm -hmm. welcoming of all. Um, he mm. considered my wife, his sister. So Aww. there, there was, yeah, there was no, um, there was no barrier because he was a priest. He just, he welcomed everybody. It didn't matter what your walk of life was. He wanted you to come worship God. And if it mm. happened to be in his house, that was fine. But, um, when he went, he and I would have conversations because my mother was a, you know, staunch Catholic and I started to, uh, worship at a local Presbyterian church and she couldn't really wrap her arms around it. And I just said, you know, it's about acceptance. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my brother would tell me, I don't care where you go, (laughs) as long as you have some attachment to God, that's all I want for you. Yeah. So he, he was amazing, but, um, he was actually pretty pivotal when I came out in 1982, he was the first family member I called 
And uh, I was actually, ironically, at Catholic University. Mm. And um, he was where he was serving as a priest was probably in Baltimore when I was in DC. So mm-hmm. um, he and I were always very, very close. And I called him up and he said, you know, I, I, I don't want this for you. It's going to be very difficult mm-hmm. to be gay in our family and our mother's mm-hmm. not going to make it easy for you. <laughs> so, you know, I tried going back and forth for, for years thinking, mm-hmm. well, maybe this is a phase mm-hmm. and um, it wasn't, it mm-hmm. wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I was very, I'm going to say I was very fortunate that the men that I did date throughout my life were were lovely people mm-hmm. that I was honest and opened about my life and they loved me no matter what and I can remember uh, one in particular said it doesn't matter to me if you still want to have that part of your life you can have that part of your life. And I just said, you know, I can't do that. I'm, I'm monogamous. So if Mm -hmm. I'm in a relationship, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but he, he respected me for that. And, and we're still the best of friends today. Oh, nice. Wow. Oh yeah. So, (laughs) so, you know, again, I was, I was really fortunate. I don't have any, um, dramatic stories to tell, uh, of why, I am gay. I believe I was born that way. My father died when I was six. So, you know, my mom was, was never remarried. So I really, I didn't really see, uh, that Mm -hmm. in her, it was Mm -hmm. very focused on us. I, I think I was just, I can remember since I was a a youngster having (laughs) feelings that I didn't quite know what to do with, but I knew that it was quote unquote wrong the way Mm -hmm. I was raised. Mm -hmm. So when I got into college, you know, I was away from home. I could really experience a lot of different, different, different things, different Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. I had my first experience. And if I, you know, could reflect back to 1982, it, it felt like I came home. Ah, yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was a struggle again, the back and forth and, and dodging the comments and using different pronouns, you know, like, uh, I'd make up a guy's name for whoever the woman was. And <laughs> we've all been that way. Yep. My friend. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to remember to get everything straight. Yes. If you will. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I would go to events with a couple of my guy friends and I'd go with them who were gay to business functions. So, you know, right. you have to play that game. Yep. And it got tiring. Mm-hmm. It got tiring. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I told my mom, she she drove down from New Jersey to visit me at school, and I told her in person. And she, her her response was, you know, it's just a phase. Mm-hmm. Just come home from school this summer. We'll work it out. We'll figure <laughs> it out together. And you know who then who did this to you and all this kind of stuff. But <laughs> it was so it. It wasn't easy, but in the end, I really stood my ground with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was it was tough. It, it was is tough. tough because you know the one thing that we need, and you know Maslow loves hierarchy, is that belonging. Right. Do we belong to you as a family member, and do you do you love me, and do you accept me? Mm-hmm. And when we when we have shaky ground there, it really does kind of follow us throughout our our life. You know, it starts when we're young and 
And I think that's why a lot of us um, either experience anxiety or imposter syndrome because we were imposters for such a long time. It was almost ingrained in us to be whoever somebody else wanted us to be instead of who we really are. And I think the longer we practice that without meaning, so it ingrains in our psyche and it's hard to uncover that and to release it. And especially when, you know, when I read your bio and I thought, whoa, that's a lot of Catholic <laughs> experience, yeah. you know, the, that's a lot. And that, that that is probably one of the hardest places to come out of, I think, because it is so specific and so narrow and so sometimes rigid. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's very hard. I'm I'm so excited that your brother was so open mm-hmm. and loving. I mean, he got it. You know, yeah, he was one of the Catholics that got yeah. it. <laughs> that it's not just about the dogma and and the way you interpret everything. It's about love. And right, right. boy, that's awesome. Yeah. He, he he was he was really amazing. And um, you know, my my wife and I met in nineteen ninety-eight and um, I just knew that she was the one. Mm. And, and I think on some level, my mother knew too, because she was most resistant to Susan and it took almost two years to get them in the same room. And, uh, and it was actually my brother, Tommy pushed it one time. And one of my sister-in-laws pushed it for a family party and said, you will bring her. And, put us all at the same table. So, um, you know, I think in, in some way we were all uh, afraid of her on some level to disappoint or what have you. Um, but over the years it, it was challenging, but when I got married to Susan, um, my mother was not at the wedding. It was in 2013. It was a very small wedding with my, with my siblings. You know, at that point I had lost two brothers. Mm. So it was supposed to, it was a happy occasion. And I regret it. One regret I had was that I didn't tell her because she was one time she made a comment to me. Cause I think uh, at the, at the time, in New Jersey, they were getting ready to pass the same sex marriage. Mm. And she said, if you're going to get married, get married, do it after I close my, you know, in a dramatic way, after (laughs) I close my eyes forever. (laughs) So me being, you know, very courageous in my professional life was like, (gasps) oh my God, Mm -hmm. I can't tell her. And Mm -hmm. um, interestingly enough, my oldest nephew called me the night before my wedding and he said, Aunt Betsy, if there was one thing I would wish is that you told Graham mm. whether or not she came, but that she knew so that you could be freed up from that on your day. Mm. And, and you know, he was the only one in my family that did that, that mm. told me that. Mm. So it took me, oh gosh, it took me, took me about a year to tell her, um, I sat down with her, went up to New Jersey and I just said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I just, I, I can't carry this. It's, this Uh is a happy thing. Uh And I sat with her, um, and I, and I wrote about it in the book. I, I had gone out for a run and I thought, okay, I'll tell her, I'll tell her after I ran, after I run and we sit down and have breakfast and I'm sitting there having breakfast and we're doing a usual chatter. And I thought in one, in the span of 30 seconds, once I tell her, I'm going to be so relieved and I'll handle whatever comes. Mm -hmm. 
So I told her and she mm. looked at me. First thing she said was, who else knows? <laughs> I said, everybody in the family knows. And I said, and I'll go down the list and tell you who was at the wedding. And she said, well, I'm always the last to know. Why didn't you, th why didn't you think to town to invite me? And I said, because frankly, mom, you made it really clear. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, that was the happiest day of my life. And I wasn't going to have you interfere with it. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, um, and you flat out said to me that if I was going to get married, not to do it until you were no longer on the planet. And she said, well, that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> right. And, and then she says, I know how much you love Sue. She would call her Sue. Her name is Susan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can tell how much she loves you mm. and I want you to be happy. And I Aww. said to her, yeah. And I said, well, you know what? No one should ever hide loving someone who means so much to them. That's mm -hmm. why I'm telling you this. Mm -hmm. You, you got to have a beautiful relationship with daddy. He was the love of your life. I get to have the same thing too. Mm -hmm. And I do. And she's the love of my life. And she looked at me and she said, then I'm happy. Wow. And that's a, that's a nice ending to that. And, but look at how many years you had to, you know, hide, change things around, feel the fear of coming out to her. Mm -hmm. And then to, <laughs> I don't know what it is about mothers and I don't know what age your mother was at the time, but how can they not remember the significant things that like just completely stymie us and our growth? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. it sounds like something I'd say. You don't remember saying that? That was a pretty yeah. dramatic moment in my life. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, my mom actually uh, passed away at 98 a year ago. And so she she became the most incredible mother at the end because she had dementia. Oh. Now in the moment she knew exactly who we all were, mm -hmm. but she, she released the, all the things that she had judgments about. Oh. And my brother and I would say, wow, she's the mom we always wanted. I said, yeah, I'll take it. Even if it's at this time, I'd That's rather right. have the last yeah. memories of her be this. Yes. And she was exquisite. You know, when my wife would come up to New Jersey with me to visit, she was so kind to her, complimentary. Uh, so it was, though I wish she was like that all the time, at mm -hmm. least I got to have that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's, I'm glad that that's a beautiful moment to be able to have that memory mm -hmm. and have that be the last times that you, you were with her. So that's beautiful. So, so most, mostly everybody else in your, your family was okay. It, you know, it would, it, it was not consistent. Uh, -huh. uh, I definitely periodically would get, uh, reactions that were hurtful, mm -hmm. um, anger. I, you know, I could get down the list mm -hmm. and, but I, I walked through it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, again, in the end, I lived my life. I live my life on my terms. Mm -hmm. Now, there's no strife at all in the family. Susan and I have been together for 25 years. So it's uh, she is a fixture in my family. 
Yeah. So, you know, but again, when first coming out in the 1980s, mm-hmm. uh, when I was in my 20s, it was, you know, you you go into this, or at least I had this naive, naivety that mm-hmm. um, the people that are my family are supposed to love and protect me. Uh-huh. And it wasn't that. Mm-mm. It was conditional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you were at the Catholic College University. Mm-hmm. And was there any discussion that you would have to leave the school? Did anybody? No, no, there was actually a fairly robust, active LGBT community at that time, but it was, it was quiet. Uh Um, and so I never felt unsafe. I had, uh, I had one incident with, uh, a woman that was, I didn't even really know her well, but she was an athlete. And, uh, you know, my feeling is when someone gets that animated and and angry, they're probably covering up something for themselves. Uh So I can remember having a conversation with this person and frankly denying it all as though she was the dean of the school. I still never remember that. Oh man, I can't believe that. But, you know, funny thing in the end, Whenever uh, my friends and I are together for our college reunions and we all, you know, you start talking about all the same things from way Mm -hmm. back when they remembered that time clearly. And, uh, and I had acknowledged them in, in my book on how loved I felt and safe I Mm -hmm. felt. And they, and they remember this one particular woman that gave me that problem and said, oh, she's just disgusting. (laughs) So I was, you know, with my college mm-hmm. friends, I was, and my high school friends, my friends were unconditional for me. Nobody cared. It was like, all right, just, just be safe. Cause we all need to be safe. But yes. since you're, you're going to explore and you're going to places that are on the, the seedy side of town, just be careful. And yeah. like, so I, I felt loved no matter what. That's awesome. really did. Yeah. I, I even, you know, we had, we had a pretty big reunion recently where I saw my friends. And again, we just talk about some of those times where none of that stuff matters. It was mm-hmm. about who we were as, as people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a beautiful story. <laughs> that is awesome. So, so, you know, when you, when you come through things like that, you have the adversity, mm-hmm. you have family support, but you also have non-family support and you, you get to you get to choose what you focus on and you get to choose what propels you forward. So what has been your driving force, do you think, in being able to navigate your authenticity? You're a woman in business, you're gay. You know, has any of that ever been the something that could have held you back, but you had some sort of chutzpah to keep you going? What is that about you? Um you know, it's it's important to me when I look at my experiences, especially in business, and and you know, we'll put the put the gay thing over here. Mm-hmm. Just being a woman in business, I started mm-hmm. my company in 1990. There were still so many barriers for women, and being mm-hmm. turned down for um, financing, and 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 just the usual uh, ugly comments made by men in general without Mm -hmm. even saying that I was gay. Mm -hmm. It it didn't always feel like a safe place. So I was, I was just extremely careful. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was, 
I was very motivated and driven in my career. Um, and I just kept going. And I, as, as I got older, I felt like I need to leave something behind for young people who are experiencing these kind of challenges in business as a, as a gay person or a diverse mm -hmm. person. And, uh, you know, and now in, in 2023, soon to be 2024, we have seemed to have gone backwards. Mm -hmm. So it's even, it's important. Mm -hmm. It's even more important that we do get our stories out there mm -hmm. and, and to be able, like, when I'm around people who are very firmly a certain political affiliation that's different mm -hmm. than mine, mm -hmm. or they have had, or they make just stupid, unevolved comments about gays, I now say something. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I don't, even though I really just want to put my hand around their necks <laughs> and squeeze. <laughs> because it's so mean mm -hmm. i just say okay well obviously you you don't realize that i'm gay <laughs> and usually like <gasps> but <"You> i'm <laughs> yeah yeah you are or they're so embarrassed and i said well and then sometimes i've get into conversation so let me tell you a little something about our life mm -hmm. we are we are we have very traditional family it just so happens that two women are leading that family Mm -hmm. and we have the same problems you have. Mm -hmm. Our kids have the same problems your kids have. We have the same worries about our grandkids that you have about yours. There is nothing different here. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. So, so I try to, I try to open someone's mind mm -hmm. like that. And, mm -hmm. and then it, every so often, I've, if there's a religious conversation, I stand firmly on the God that I believe in preaches love for all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why you think you're better than me mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I worship the same God that you do. I just happen to worship it in maybe a different venue. Mm -hmm. I read the same Bible you read. I think that I've never been more enlightened than when I read Brian McLaren's book about a new Christianity. And he talked about the Bible as being not the constitution. Mm -hmm. that we're supposed to follow, but that it's, it's more like a collection of memories and, and life in back in that time and how they survived it and what they believed and how they evolved from not understanding God into trying to make God into what they could understand. And then the evolution moving forward. And I thought, wow, so because we were taught it is the inspired word of God and it's in black and white. And if you read it, you believe it and that settles it. You don't question that. And yet we do need to question that. We do need to see the inherency of some of the things that are in the Bible that, you know, there's like two two um, creation stories. You know, there's yeah. <laughs> even the Gospels can't agree on the events and how it happened and how because it was written by man hundreds of years later. Right. I can't wait for the documentary 1946 to come out and to talk clearly about, have you heard about that documentary? No, no. Oh, honey, it's 1946. And that is the year that a little intern was sitting in a room with a bunch of old white men. <laughs> and they were doing yet again another translation and they were trying to put the word homosexual in the bible and they looked at the greek 
And Mm -hmm. they chose the word that now is the one that condemns us the most that's in the Bible, but it wasn't there in that translation. Now, the word might have been there all along, but Mm -hmm. if you looked at the Greek word of the the way it was written, it was something completely different and more open and diverse. But in 1946, they chose a different translation of the word. Mm -hmm. And the interns going, you know, I don't really think that's exactly right. If you really look at the Greek, the way it was intended in the very beginning, it really means this, and Mm -hmm. it would be spelled this way. And they wouldn't listen to the little intern in 1946. And now the word that's in the Bible is completely the most condemnation that we could have. Mm -hmm. So when that movie hits, will it change minds? Not the ones that really want to stay closed. No. (laughs) However, I think for those of us that have come through religious trauma and we have tried to figure out how we can be worthy and why the Bible may be misinterpreted, Mm -hmm. this movie will be very enlightening for a lot of folks that are still struggling. Well, I will be looking for it. When is this supposed to come out? I think in December, the first of December, they've been doing like screenings and, you know, all of those things that I never am in any place to be able to hear it um, or see it. But um, I think it will hit theaters the first of December Mm -hmm. somewhere along there. I know. But that's the thing um, with with being raised in the church and having that message for so long. Um, it really affects people. And so your ability to be motivated and driven as a woman, mm-hmm. but also as a gay person, yeah. um, I think I think we were, we're beginning to lose that in just in life in general. Like you said, in, things are going back for women. And, you know, we had this whole influx of rights and, you know, we can get married now and all those things. And now the Speaker of the House you know, comes out and targets us in a most blatant way. You can't, you can't really try to discern what he's saying. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. can just know (laughs) what he's Mm -hmm. saying. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of fear out there now. Um, Moving forward, what's your most fearful thing about where, where the next election might go, how it's going to affect our families, our wives, our, our kids? I just feel like, you know, politics in general has become really ugly Mm -hmm. and it's become almost like reality TV, (laughs) which is, which is not fair Mm -hmm. where these people we have, we have elected them or not elected them based on what one's choice is, but they're there. They work for us. And I feel as though whenever a politician is in the room, we're supposed to just bow down to them. And I stop Mm. and I think to myself, you know, when, when any politician walks in the room, Oh, so-and-so. And I think to myself, but you work for me. <laughs> you should be thanking me uh-huh. yeah. for your job. Uh-huh. And I think we have it backwards. Mm-hmm. And if we would just take out the personal mm-hmm. and stick to the facts, I think more people can get what they need. Mm-hmm. You know, and you look for the, the, look at the climate now with the different, um, legal matters that are out there. Mm-hmm. And you think to yourself, if me as a business person, if I inflated my company, my value, if mm-hmm. I didn't pay taxes, if mm-hmm. I, I, I would have been thrown in jail. I would exactly. have been. So 
what I don't understand is that people that are following certain politicians that have clearly broken the law and mm-hmm. really stretched the truth on both sides of the mm-hmm. aisle. Mm-hmm. I'm not just focusing on mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. side of the aisle. Um, why do you continue to praise them? Why do we continue to allow them to hold the job to influence our company, our, our, our country? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. And I and when I get into some of these conversations with people, and it's a man, I you and they make a comment about some of the female politicians. Okay, if that was your daughter mm-hmm. or your granddaughter. How would you feel if someone spoke about them that way? And that mm-hmm. usually stops the conversation where they're like, I I would be really upset. Mm-hmm. So you need to stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be- because if you have an issue with gay people, you I guarantee you will want someone like me out there fighting for your daughter and your granddaughter's rights, Mm -hmm. regardless whether they're Republican or Democrat, you will want me to pave the way for them. People, women like me. Mm -hmm. So you need to respect us and you need to stop the rhetoric. And so I have no problems having those conversations (laughs) with people now that I'm in. uh, If I'm in group conversations and I hear something that's just like, Ooh, you might've gotten away with that 20 or 30 years ago, but that's just not proper now. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Good for you. That's such good advice. I like, I like that when we make it personal and we can come down away from how reactive we might have felt to that comment and just speak to them on that way. We talked about that in our formation class on Sunday, how, you know, everybody's waging war now. No matter what it is. I mean, even at like stop signs, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. the whole country is just so volatile right now. And that, you know, waging peace is the only thing that's going to make this better. You know, mm-hmm. that we can't, we can't match their, their anger right. and their disrespect. We have to come through the powerful peace of love. I mean, love is more powerful than hate if we'll just hang on, not panic. Right. And I do believe that the consciousness in this country, although the the ones that are are narrow minded are still the loudest because mm-hmm. the rest of us have still some decorum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I hope that we'll get loud when we vote. And I hope that we will mm-hmm. be advocates, you know, in in the times that we can be advocates, if we're safe enough to speak up, to speak up gently mm-hmm. and not in in anger, because if you lead with love, mm-hmm. I do believe it is a very powerful motivator. Right. Uh, exactly. And there's more love out there mm-hmm. than there's evil. But for whatever reason, the evil seems to be the loudest, whether mm-hmm. that's, you know, the influence of the media, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I don't even read the news on a regular basis. Mm -mm. I will scan it in the morning and that's about it. And, you know, from a business perspective, I should be more informed about certain things. It gets in the way of good, of goodness. And Mm -hmm. I can't, I don't want to start my day with a lot of the ugliness. So I just get the key things that I need. And then I, I, I get to work. Don't dive in too deep. Just no, it. <laughs> no, but you know, I've already, I've already kind of rehearsed in my head. So uh, my wife and I moved out of the city and we, we live in an area now that is um, I would say 
not as diverse mm -hmm. in many ways, mm -hmm. which is different for us because we've always lived in the city. So I thought to myself, okay, when it comes to voting next year, my response is just going to be, I'm voting for people that will honor my daughter and my granddaughter. Ooh. That's, that's exact. I'm going to take nice. me out of it. That will mm -hmm. honor who they are as women. That's that's where I'm I'm doing my vote for. It's not about mm -hmm. me now. It's about how the world is going to be for them. Yeah, that's good. And we didn't teach them hate. So I'm not voting for anyone that promotes hate. Good for you. Yeah, good for you. I'm aligned with that as well. Yep. And it is different. I mean, it, I live in the city, but we're a small city mm -hmm. and we have two. It's a red city. Somebody said the other yeah. day, I love this. They said, I would like to meet purple people. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Because I can't talk to somebody who is just so, so set in your ways that I can't communicate with you. But <laughs> but um, I think there are purple people out there. And I do believe that love you know, that love will win eventually. I just don't want to go through whatever might happen before that. But <laughs> I know. But, and, you know, Midge, my hope for this election, because I've, I've seen it in past elections, is that the church, churches stay out of it. Mm. Um, don't try and influence your congregation. Mm -hmm. it's, you, you go to church on Sunday, whatever you day. For me, for me when, I, when I listen to Mass, it's a time of meditation for me. Mm. And I, I go between, I usually uh, listen to Catholic mass every Sunday and it's not that I believe it. And it's mm -hmm. just that the tradition keeps me connected to my ancestors. Sure. sure. But uh, we also worship in Presbyterian and Episcopalian. We were married in Episcopalian church. So for, for me, wherever I go, I don't want to hear about politics when mm. I'm worshiping. That mm. is my personal time mm -hmm. with God to mm -hmm. be grateful for the gifts and to pray for those that need much more than I need. Mm. So I just, my hope is that just please keep the politics out of the church bulletins out of the pulpit, just leave it, mm. leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I totally understand. And, and I'm grateful that I found the Episcopal church because I was not raised mm -hmm. Episcopalian or Presbyterian or any of those things. You know, my, my grandfather was very fire, fire and brimstone, old school. Mm -hmm. uh, and we went to his church whenever he was preaching within 30 miles, you know, we were required to go to his church. <laughs> and if we didn't show up, he would call and say, who died? Oh, gee. <laughs> there was no, no wiggle room. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but so you know let, what? Go ahead. In the, in the end, uh -huh. you worship your way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate what you were saying about mass and the, because Episcopalians are, you know, have the liturgy, you know, we have the pomp and circumstance to a certain expect to a certain extent. Um, and I, I never thought that I would like that because we never had that, but I going to Eucharist every Sunday, being able to, Oh, I, I just adore how the Episcopal church is set up for me. It's just perfect because I can, I can wear jeans or I can, you know, I can serve as a woman. I can serve as an openly gay yeah. woman. Yeah. I'm, I have just hit my stride. I, I, I love it when, um, Oh, who was it? The comedian, ah, 
I can't believe I forgot his name, but he, he died from Lewy body dementia. Um, super funny, but anyway, um, and he would say Episcopalians are Catholic light <laughs> because we have all the liturgy and half the guilt. <laughs> Robin Williams. That's who said it. <laughs> I was going to say, was it George Carlin? <laughs> no, it was actually Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's anyway. a, that's a great that's a great way to describe yeah. them. <laughs> so it fits me. So let's let's we're we're going to take all of all of this conversation and just put it up to our higher powers <laughs> and the god of your understanding and all will be well and as Julian of Norwich said all will be well and all shall be well and all matter of things will be well. So I would love to know more about your book and to talk more about you in that way. So tell us about your book. Well, shake it off leadership, uh, <laughs> achieving success through the eyes of our labels. I am so proud of it. It took mm. me about five years to get it done. It was, it's part memoir, part, uh, business book for people that, that need to see that, you know, yeah, you can get rejected, turned down, no, and you can still be successful. You just have to you just have to learn how to navigate the waters out there. Mm-hmm. So um, I was I was really proud of the book. I have it came out in co- during COVID, so <laughs> I it didn't get a, as much you know out of the box mm-hmm. mileage that I wanted to. But mm-hmm. now it's really a springboard for me to write my other books. Oh. So I'm in the process of writing a leadership fable, Ooh. and Ooh. yeah. And uh, I have always loved Patrick Lencioni, who does, he's he's been on New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers list, where he does a lot of uh, business books that are, that, are, that are a little bit smaller and a lot of them fables, because I think we can relate to those kind of stories. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't really want to read a book where I have to look at graphs and formulas. I want to, I want to understand the actual experiences and stories of what, drives leaders and and how leaders can solve problems. Ooh. Ooh. So are you are you doing interviews with people? Is that how you're yeah. setting? So these are going to be live real stories of folks to, um, that others can learn from? So they're some of them are based on my own experiences where the names would definitely change because I have some yeah. in 30 three years that I've been in business. <laughs> yeah. Got some good material. You got some stories. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and the good thing is when you write a fable, you can, you can change things around as much as you want, as long as there's, there's, a, you know, a good, a good ending that someone can, can learn from. That is so awesome. That is a u- very unique, interesting way to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm, oh, that's really good. So, so when do you expect that to, to evolve? Uh, that's going to be, that's going to be my 2024 plan. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to have, uh, one of the books done next year. You never know if I really get on a roll, I could do two, but I'm going to start with the one. Mm-hmm. I have another children's book that is just about it's finished. I have to finish the edit. So I will probably release that one first. Cause I, mm-hmm. I love to get in, in the imagination mode for children because mm-hmm. it's so fun. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. Well, th- tell us about your first children's book and then tell us about the new one. Well, Miss Crabapple and Her Magic Violin, that was a story that I made up in the moment to my granddaughter, who is now 24. <laughs> so she, yeah, she was about six 
And Aww. Saturday night, she would spend uh, a lot of weekends with us. Saturday night was story night. So it was my turn. And I tucked her in and just made up a story. And uh, I came downstairs and I said to my wife, you know, I just told Alyssa a story. That was a pretty good story. I need to go write it down. <laughs> so it took a long time to get that published, but eventually that's what the book was. And, and it was really about... Um, the theme of it was really about all different kinds of people impact others and music really frees people up. Mm -hmm. And I use the book, uh, the illustrations of the book show diversity. Cause I'm, I'm just all about diversity. Everyone's included. Mm -hmm. So, so it was, it's a fun book. I bet book. It's, it mm -hmm. sounds awesome. Yeah. And, and the new children's book. That is, uh, that is based on a story that one of my uncles told me growing up. So I just took the character and I mm -hmm. built this story around the character about mm -hmm. a dream and about, uh, about accomplishing the impossible. Ah, those yeah. are so uplifting books yeah. like that are so great for kids. Mm -hmm. So where can people find your current book and your pending books? later <laughs> so both both uh uh children's book miss crabapple and then my leadership book shake it off leadership can mm -hmm. both be found on amazon okay i also have a website betsycerulo.com where they can order them directly there if anyone wants a an autographed book you just have to let me know and we'll get one sent out to you okay wonderful yeah <sighs> you're just amazing I'm so glad that we've met and I'm so glad that you shared your story. I'm just, I'm just so in awe of, of strong women who shook it all off yeah. <laughs> and never let anybody say no. I mean, even when you got one, you didn't let it stick and you were able to live authentically and bravely and lovingly. And you've created a family out of your belief that you deserved it. And yeah. you were right. You were yeah. right. And yeah. tell Susan, thank you for sharing you with us. <laughs> I will. And, and Midge, I'm just, I'm so in awe of your podcast, your book, your journey, how you just put it right out there, gay with God, because yeah. God doesn't matter. It doesn't, mm. it, I mean, no, God matters. God <laughs> doesn't care. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that very much. And I'm, I'm just grateful that I stayed around long enough <laughs> to see that, that God was always working in me, even when I didn't know it, you know, and, and it's, um, it's something that I want. I so desperately want people to know that you don't have to you don't have to kill yourself to try to figure out, can you be gay and in relationship with God? You know, that it, it even, even when the people tell us that we're something negative, we never were and we're not. Nope. And when we let our light shine, we're letting, we're letting God's light shine through us. Absolutely. And we need a lot more light because that light's going to overpower the darkness. Amen. And that, my friends, is what we call good news. Yes. <laughs> we call Absolutely. that good news. <laughs> well, thank you again. I really, really appreciate you being here today. And guys, all those links for the books and to be able to connect with Betsy and to use her services will be on the 
website, the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. And remember to check out our Facebook group on Facebook, Gay With God, where we do a monthly Zoom group entitled My Faith Journey. And we also have the availability to support you in all sorts of different ways. So with the Gay With God uh, book, if you want me to zoom into your book club, if you want, there are book club questions in the back of the memoir so that you can have your own book club. And we are starting a Gay With God book club this next month. Um, I'm going to start it out with folks who did pre-order the book and the ones that have the book right now in their um if you've bought the book, you can join the group. So uh, stay connected with me. Message me if you have questions at empoweredmidge at gmail.com, and I'd be glad to give you more information about that. I am also available as a coach to you if you're having trouble coming out or with your faith journey. You can connect with me at my website, gaywithgod.com, or you can private message me at empoweredmidge at gmail.com, and I would be glad and honored to serve you. And as always, if you have a need to join Keith Brown's Wipeout Trauma Group, there will be a link on this show page to link you to that group where he specifically goes through all of the conservative and evangelical issues that you may have growing up and has a support system to get you through that. So whether you experienced abuse due to your identity or resulted in some sort of identity trauma, that group would be for you and he has a systematic and practical plan that you would practice daily so that you could begin to heal and as a bonus Keith also has a forum community where you can ask questions get support and make connections with other students and that wipeout trauma link will be on the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com so if you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQI+, or not even sure if you're gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned and see how you can t- connect to the Gay With God community. And remember, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.